being to have a, an economy-based society. Everything's economics, as Karl Marx said himself, and he was trained by the bankers. Economics, where everyone is a, basically a, 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 has a value factor, positive or negative. The United Nations has stated itself that a good world citizen is one who is a good producer and consumer. If you retire, you're now a consumer. So you know what the UN thinks of you. Or if you're disabled in some way, you're also on the basically the useless eater list. And this can push more and more. Back with more after these messages. This is Cutting Through the Matrix. Yesterday I kicked off the talk with some quotes from a website, which I'm going to put up again tonight. It's called People for Preserving Our Western Heritage, which simply confirms what I've said all along, that the big foundations and all their front NGO groups, non-governmental organizations that are well funded by the foundations, really run the world. And it's the same foundations, by the way, that are creating the present world hype to make us terrified of a flu uh, that really is very, very mild. It's a common flu. But again, hype and crisis creation overcomes reason and sense because perception is more important as those in PSYOPs operations are well aware. Getting back to this people for preserving our Western heritage, here's some quotes from these wonderful big uh, organizations that care about saving the earth as you think. They really are all about reducing the population of the lesser types, those who are the weeds. Uh, that's a term, by the way, that uh, Margaret Sanger, the one who brought up um, uh, the, the family planning associations, who started them off, uh, who was an admirer of Hitler with the eugenics program. She was a member of the American Eugenics Society, and uh, she called children weeds. Weeds, that's the term. The culture industry is all owned, again, by the same big people who own the foundations. That's your reality creators. They give different realities all throughout your life. They upgrade you according to their agenda. It works perfectly well. It worked on the parents as well before that. And there is no free, independent major media out there, they're all on board with this, they're all licensed, they all know each other, they all take their mainstream news from the same two sources, which are really really one source when you get down to it. Ted Turner, this great, wonderful, philanthropic man, remember what Weishaupt said, through philanthropy and through foundations we will rule the world. Ted Turner, founder of CNN and major United Nations donor. And that's true. The massive, see, they all eventually puts their excess cash into the organizations that helped make them. And yes, they are made. They're not independent guys who fought their way up, like Mr. Bill Gates or any of the other ones that they give you. These are fairy tales. And they put the money back into the United Nations, and it all goes into, pretty well, all goes into 
population reduction through sterilization in third world countries. Total population of 250 to 300 million people, which is a 95% decline from present levels, would be ideal, says Mr. Ted Turner, founder of CNN and major UN donor. The Club of Rome, the ones who dreamed up global warming, and it's been mandated by all governments because it was a great idea, they claim. The resultant ideal sustainable population is hence more than 500 million, but less than 1 billion. That's from their book, Goals for Mankind, by the Club of Rome. Jacques Cousteau, the wonderful man. See how they, they get into the minds of the youth? We all grew up with Jacques Cousteau as he traveled across the world in his calypso, showing us all these wonderful fish and things. And he cared so much about everything. He was a kind man, kind man. This is what he said in the UNESCO, United Nations Member Educational Association, UNESCO Courier. One American burdens the earth much more than 20 Bangladeshis. This is a terrible thing to say in order to stabilize world population. We must eliminate 350,000 people per day. That's a horrible thing to say, but it's just as bad not to say it. That's what he says. This wonderful man that was part of the culture creation that we all grew up with. It's like Mr. David Suzuki, who said a similar thing on national television in Canada. And you think they're just all independent people. See how all your reality is created? Your opinions are created subtly sometimes, sometimes blatantly and coarsely right to you. Prince Philip, of course, whose uncle and all the rest of his relatives all had Nazi uniforms given to them by Adolf Hitler. This is what he said. He's, he's a patron for World Wildlife Fund. If I were reincarnated, I wish to be returned to Earth as a killer virus to lower human population levels. There you go. Here's another one. I suspect that eradicating smallpox was wrong. It played an important part in balancing ecosystems. John Davis, editor of Earth First Journal. Another guy from Earth First, Christopher Maine, said this. The extinction of the human species may not only be inevitable, but a good thing. He says, oh, they really hate the masses, he said. Here is David Brower of the Sierra Club, another club that cares about wildlife. and They're just independent philanthropists, etc. Childbearing should be punishable crime against society, unless the parents hold a government license. All potential parents should be required to use contraceptive chemicals, and it means forced to, required. The government issuing antidotes to citizens chosen for childbearing. That's exactly what Julian Huxley said too a long time before that. Because they're following the same script, you see. Now remember I've mentioned many, many times about the founders of the Club of Rome that also runs the club. Uh, there's another club they run. There's a few clubs they run. They spawn a few other ones, but they actually run them too. The Club of Rome is one of the premier think tanks for, they were given the task for how to unite the planet under a kind of warfare type scenario where we all work together and sacrifice and allow government to dominate us. That's what happens in war. And this is what they said in their own book. It's called The First Global Revolution. And in the book they say, which is published in the 90s, they say that they hit upon this idea in the 1970s. 
looking for a new enemy to unite us. We came up, we came up with the idea that pollution, the threat of global warming, water shortages, famine and the like would fit the bill. There you go. Here's another one here. Now, I've talked about the the International Panel on Climate Change, all these scientists that are paid to create the fear that the last lot, the first global revolution, the Club of Rome dreamed up. You see? Because that's the job of the Club of Rome. They dream up the big uh, ideas as put to other think tanks down below them to implement them and the roundtable societies to put it through magazines, media, etc. and education until they brainwash the children. So, Here's Stephen Schneider, Stanford professor of climatology, the lead author of many of the International Panel on Climate Change for the United Nations reports. He's the guy who's the main author. We need to get some broad-based support to capture the public's imagination. Do you hear this? To capture the public's imagination. So we have to offer up scary scenarios, make simplified, dramatic statements and make little mention of any doubts. In other words, lie. Each of us has to decide what the right balance is between being effective and being honest. Stephen Schneider. Right? There you go. We must offer up scary scenarios, make simplified, dramatic statements and make little mention of any doubts. (laughs) Sir John Houghton, the first chairman of the same group, the International Panel on Climate Change, whose sole job is to terrify you so you'll give a total authority of your life over to them. He says, unless we announce disasters, no one will listen. There you go. Here's Paul Watson, co-founder of Greenpeace, that also belongs to this group, because it's an umbrella, you see, a group of the United Nations. It doesn't matter what is true. It only matters what people believe is true. Co-founder of Greenpeace, Paul Watson. How's that? We've got to write this global warming issue. We've got to write this global warming issue. Even if the theory of global warming is all wrong, we will be doing the right thing in terms of economic and environmental policy. Timothy Worth, president of the United Nations Foundation, We've got to write this global warming issue. Even if the theory of global warming is wrong, we will be doing the right thing in terms of economic and environmental policy. He's talking about population reduction. Timothy Worth, president of the UN Foundation. This is another one, Christine Stewart, the former Canadian Minister of the Environment, who also works with IPCC. No matter if the science of global warming is all phony, Climate change provides the greatest opportunity to bring about justice and equality in the world. Remember what Hillary Clinton says, you never, let, you never misuse or miss to use a good crisis. No matter if the science of global warming is all phony, climate change provides the greatest opportunity to bring about justice and equality in the world. But they don't define what they mean by justice and equality. Christian Stewart former Canadian Minister of the Environment. That's for the government. 
Al Gore, the, the climate crisis is not a political issue. It's a moral and spiritual challenge to all. So it's a religious challenge eh? to all of humanity. I wonder what religion is talking about here. It's also our greatest opportunity to lift global consciousness to a higher level. Global consciousness. That's a religion, you see, global consciousness. The Emeritus Professor Daniel Botkin, this is what he says, the only way to get our society to truly change is to frighten people with the possibility of a catastrophe. Sounding familiar, folks. We're on the verge of global transformation. All we need is the right major crisis. David Rockefeller, Club of Rome Executive Manager. Back with more after this break. the matrix, presenting fact to people who, who watch regular media are being, being overwhelmed by terror and fear and panic creation, all in order that they will submit themselves to the abusers, the good abused people that they are being abused, they go back to the abuser who designed the whole thing in the first place to take over power a global structure, a new system, a new way of living. We've already watched the IMF, the International Monetary Fund, being raised up to its proper position because they created a crash, you see, a planned crash to bring in part two Bretton Woods, and that's been accomplished, you see. Now they must go to take over the resources of the world. They're already doing that under the guise of saving us from global warming. I've just told you it's all a con in the first place, beamed up by the Club of Rome, who admits it, they admit it in their own book. But it works well because repetition will overcome logic. Repetition by the same experts will overcome logic, you see. They can't all be lying, can they? Well, yes, they can, because their livelihoods depend on crisis creation. That's why they get their big grants. Getting back to this, these quotes, again, these links will all be on my site at the end of the show. To show you how they're using this to bring in the whole United Nations agenda. It was set up to become the global government of the planet. That was why it was set up. Read the books put out by the founders of it. Read the books from the foundations. Read the books by Wells and others who were all for it and helped work on it. Read the books put out by the bureaucrats who worked on it. There's one, an excellent one, by a Canadian guy, who I think is some memoirs of a Canadian diplomat at the United Nations. He worked with Lester B. Pearson. They were all globalists. He worked with Alger Hiss and drafted up the Charter of the United Nations. Alger Hiss was eventually convicted as being a communist agent. And so should this guy in Canada. He should, he should be arrested as well. But it, really, they're all members of the CFR, the Council on Foreign Relations. Remember, Carl quickly said, we often think it's the communists because the CFR uh, works with every kind of people, especially those in the far left that want to bring in a collectivist society. Collectivism, collectivism. What was it the Club of Rome said in the first global revolution, their book? Remember, they said, too, they favored collectivism. 
This is what they said. Democracy is not a panacea. Club of Rome said this. It cannot organize everything, and it is unaware of its own limits. These facts must be faced squarely. Sacrilegious though it may sound, democracy is no longer well-suited for the task ahead. The complexity and the technical nature of many of today's problems do not always allow elected representatives to make competent decisions at the right time. They actually elaborate more on that in the book, The First Global Revolution, where they said they looked at all the systems of the world and what they favored was collectivism. It's also called, uh, it's also called um, communitarianism. That's the term that Bush Sr. used. Communitarianism is collectivism. You're part of the collective. It's also used in Agenda 21 for the United Nations for the century. The UN Commission on Global Governance, that's what I like to call it, it's another term for global governance. This is from their own report, from their own Commission on Global Governance. The concept of national sovereignty has been immutable, indeed a sacred principle of international relations. It's a principle which will yield only slowly and reluctantly to the new imperatives of global environmental cooperation. In other words, it has to go. That's what we're seeing. We're living through the time and the century of change. Now, you know what Obama's change was all about. He didn't dream it up. The big foundations have been prowling on about it for many, many, many years before the 21st century started. This is where we're going into the planned society. The planned society. Dr. Robert Mueller, United Nations Assistant Secretary General. In my view, after 50 years of service in the United Nations system, or United National System, he called it, I perceive the utmost urgency and absolute necessity for proper earth government. There is no shadow of a doubt that the present political and economic systems are no longer appropriate and will lead to the end of life evolution on this planet. We must therefore absolutely and urgently look for new ways. Nations are in effect ceding portions of their sovereignty to the international community and beginning to create a new system of international environmental governance as a means of solving otherwise unmanageable crises. Lester Brown, World Watch Institute. And it goes on and on and on. Part of it was to be the rising of the IMF to be the sole distributor of the world's money supply. That's just happened because they created the crash there. A keen and anxious awareness is evolving to suggest that fundamental changes will have to take place in the world in order to, and order, the world order and its power structures in the distribution of wealth and income. What was the first thing the, the IMF said once they declared their supremacy in all of this? They were given the power by all governments to be uh, the, the distributor or the, the money lenders for the planet. They said the same thing. Uh, we've got to start creating equality across the world. Now we start channeling more money into what's supposed to help the poor and third world countries, but it won't go there at all. It's nothing to do with that. It's amazing. It's amazing to live through this time and know, always know what's coming next and know what's really going on in a world turned upside down. Back. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth.
This is Cutting Through the Matrix. I've talked before about Agenda 21, the agenda for the 21st century, the century of change. And this is what is in, a part of what is in Agenda 21. People should wade through it if you have any patience at all. And if you can still recall what you've read, and very few folk today can, then you'll understand what's really happening with all this crisis and crisis creation. It says, effective execution of Agenda 21 will require a profound reorientation of all human society. Unlike anything the world has ever experienced, a major shift in the priorities of both governments and individuals and an unprecedented redeployment of human and financial resources. What we're living through right now, folks, eh? Think about it, what we're living through right now. <laughs> the IMF, etc., etc. This shift will demand that a concern for the environmental consequences of every human action be integrated into individual and collective decision-making at every level. Global carbon taxes, individual carbon taxes, etc. It's all done years ago in Agenda 21. You're living through a script. You're living through a script. I keep trying to get that through to the people. And nothing surprises you when you know the script and you study their own writings. Here's an article from theguardian.co.uk. Swine flu, a panic stoked in order to posture and spend by Simon Jenkins. It says here, we've gone demented Two Britons are, or were, not very ill from flu. This could really explode, intones a reporter for BBC News. London warned, it's here, cries the evening standard. Fear is said to be spreading like a Mexican wave. It could affect three quarters of a million Britons. It could cost three trillion dollars. The danger, according to the radio, is that workers who are not ill will be worried, perhaps by the reporter, and fail to turn up at power stations and hospitals. Appropriately panicked on Monday, ministers, that's politicians, plunged into their cobra bunker beneath Whitehall to prepare for the worst. Had Tony Blair been about, they would have worn germ warfare suits. British government is barking mad. What is swine flu? It's flu. A mutation of H1N1 virus of the sort that often occurs is the common flu. It's not a pandemic despite the media prefix, not yet. The BBC calls it a potentially terrible virus. But any viral infection is potentially terrible. That's true, you see. Flu makes you feel ill. You should take medicine and rest. You will then get well again unless you're very unlucky or have some complicating condition. It's best to avoid close contact with other people as Mexico, uh, as applies to a common cold. In Mexico, 2,000 people have been diagnosed as suffering with this flu. Some 150 of them, they say here, have died in 77. Though there is said to be no pathological indication of all these deaths being linked to the new flu strain. See, there's no verification of anything. People die all the time after catching flu, especially if not medicated, and thousands worldwide die every year of the flu, generally very, very young, who are also, they have other, again, complicating uh, uh, other problems. 
and generally it's not the flu that kills them. It's, it's, uh, it's bacterial pneumonia that sets in, and their immune system is down, you see. There's nobody anywhere else in the world has died from this infection, and only a handful have the new strain confirmed, most in America and almost all after returning from Mexico. A couple from Airdrie who caught the flu on holiday in Cancun are getting better. That tends to happen to people who get flu, however much it may disappoint the editors. And when we go into today's paper in Canada, this is from this year is uh, from the CBC Canada today. Thirteen swine flu cases confirmed. They're still calling it swine flu. Confirmed in Canada, all mild. April 28th. The number of Canadians confirmed to have suffered mild cases of the human form of swine flu, 12 to 13 Tuesday, with new cases reported in Alberta, Ontario, and British Columbia. New cases in Ontario, Alberta, and British Columbia were anticipated and do not change the federal government's course of action. <laughs> so we're going to have crisis and total lockdown anyway. Canada's chief public health officer, Dr. David Butler-Jones, told a teleconference on Tuesday, the more cases we see, the greater odds that some will be severe, he said. Ontario's acting chief medical officer of health, Dr. David Williams, said four people in the country's largest province were confirmed as having the same strain of influenza that may have killed as many as 152 people, there's only seven in Mexico since mid-April. And then it says here, the ones in Ontario were all mild and involved people who had traveled to Mexico recently. Two were from the York region, and our two were from the Durham region, east of Toronto. It hasn't showed rapid movement from patient to patient or person to person. But then, again, uh, it's so mild that they don't even need hospital treatment. They're told to stay at home, and it'll be over in two or three days. <clears throat> but regardless of that, they're going to head with a crisis, 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 regardless, because you cannot let go and abuse or misuse a good crisis especially when you have an ulterior motive of pushing all this hype, is so that the World Health Organization will come up to its rules, stature, as the world authority, which then goes into its real mandate, which is, look, we can't have so many people on the planet, we've got to start sterilizing, etc., etc., etc. See how it works. And when we rattle through some articles before I go to, to the callers here, there is so much, so much happening. What else is happening in the world today? Well, the U.S., during this crisis, passed the hate crimes bill that Bush opposed. And this is from, again, Reuters. On April 29, 2009, the Democratic-led U.S. House of Representatives Wednesday approved an expansion. It's an expansion. And once they get on the book, it starts expanding, include things you'd never think of, of federal hate crime laws an effort that former Republican George Bush had opposed. So, so everything is getting rammed through under the, for this crisis is distracting everyone else. Everyone's terrified and fear their lives while all this is happening. And here's another one uh, about the modified seeds. I'm going to put this, this up too by Lynn Cohen Cole. And it's from Global Research, February 14, 2009. Genetically modified seeds, Monsanto is putting normal seeds out of reach. Well, that's the whole point of it. People say if farmers don't want problems from Monsanto, just don't buy their seeds, their GMO seeds. Not so simple. Where are farmers supposed to get normal seed these days? 
How are they supposed to avoid contamination of their fields from GM crops? How are they supposed to stop Monsanto detectives from trespassing or Monsanto from using helicopters to fly over spying on them? See, this is what they do. This is not kidding. This is what they do. See, it's part of the industrial complex of the military. That's why they get away with all this. They, have, they, they act like a CIA all of their own. <clears throat> Monsanto contaminates the fields, trespasses onto the land, taking samples, and if they find any GMO plants growing there, or say they have, they should just say they have, they can then sue, saying they own the crop. It's a way to make money since farmers can't fight back and court, and they settle because they have no choice. But what else is it all about? Well, you find here that the government, you see, the government is just part of it. They do what they're told by the big military-industrial complex boys, like Monsanto. And they have people on Obama's uh, staff there who actually worked for years with Monsanto, who built these bills forward on behalf of Monsanto. And farmers now have to literally have special machines to sort out their seed. It's up to scratch. It costs an awful lot of money. Most of them can't afford it. And by law, the government is forcing them to get these new machines. And it's all in this article here as to exactly what's happening. If you can't afford these particular machines, you can't plant seed. Simple as that. Laws, laws, laws. Amazing. So I'll put that article up. And there's an article here on global warming alarmists. It says global warming alarmists are out in the cold. And this here is from the Herald Sun. It says 29th of April 2009. It's snowing in April. Ice is spreading in Antarctica. The Great Barrier Reef is as healthy as ever. And that's just the news of the past week. Truly, it never rains, but it pours. And all over are global warming alarmists. Time's up for, for this absurd scaremongering. The fears are being contradicted by the facts, and more so by the weak. To doubt it, then, here's a test. Name just three clear signs that the planet is warming, as alarmists claim it should. Just three chances are your proofs are, in fact, on my list of top ten myths about global warming. And if your proofs indeed turn out to be false, don't get angry with me. Just ask yourself, why do you still believe that man is heating the planet to hell? What evidence do you have? Let's see if the facts matter more to you than faith and observations more than predictions. Myth one, the world is warming. Wrong. It's true the world did warm between 75 and 1998, but even Professor David Carley, one of our leading alarmists, admitted this week temperatures have dropped since both in surface temperatures and atmospheric temperatures measured from satellites. In fact, the fall in temperatures from 2002 has already wiped out half the warming our planet experienced last century. And then they have the data for this. This is from Britain's Hadley Center, NASA's Aqua Satellite, and the U.S. National Climatic Data Center to back up these facts, if anyone's interested in facts. Some experts, such as Carly, claim this proves nothing or the facts prove nothing, and the world will soon start warming again. There's faith for you. Others, such as Professor Ian Plimmer of Adelaide University, point out that so many years of cooling already contradict the theory that man's rapidly increasing gases must drive up temperatures ever faster. But that's all theory. The question I've asked is, what signs can you actually see of the man-made warming that the alarm is predicted? Myth two, the polar caps are melting. Wrong. 
The British Antarctic Survey, working with NASA last week, confirmed ice around Antarctica has grown 100,000 square kilometres each decade for the past 30 years. Facts, facts, facts. And it, and I, it goes on and on with facts in this article, if anyone truly cares. But again, you can pump out the facts there. And perception is all that matters in the end. Repetition of propaganda will work on the majority of the general public. And I was going to talk about the World Health Organization to show you how they're pumping themselves up to be, and actually are demanding to be, the World Health Authority. But I, I won't bother. I won't bother. Why help them? Why help them with their propaganda? It's quite something, as I say, what's really, truly happening in the world. And it's all to do with those quotes that I gave earlier, how they would use crisis creation, etc., to terrify the general public. And unfortunately, it works. <clears throat> now, there's Eric from California on the line. Are you there, Eric? Let's, let's see if he's there. Okay. There's Mike from New York there. Hello, Mike. How you doing, Alan? Not so bad. How are you? Uh, pretty good. I'm uh, here in New York. About uh, I'm about 40 minutes from the city where you know this whole swine flu is at that school. Yes. And uh, the hysteria that it's causing is just insane up here. I mean, I work at a, a school. I'm a custodian, and they're passing around all these things. They're not saying to stock up on soap. They're saying to keep the hand sanitizers. Yeah. Which is completely ridiculous, I think. And even before this all started. No students I've, I've noticed have used any any soap. It's always the hand sanitizer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's yeah. Uh, it's a little insane. And I've actually noticed uh, the the spraying has been um, pretty bad up here. Yes, the same here. And in California, in LA, I got photographs sent to me this morning, and uh, incredible what they're giving them over there too. It's everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, and I heard um uh, that the barium and aluminum oxide is actually supposed to. Uh, lower the immune system so could that have anything it, it to does. do with it? you're absolutely right it does lower the immune system drastically in fact and and again for 10 years all the top medical guys know this because they have all the statistics coming in uh, the amount of bronchial problems now we have asthma Every, almost everyone's got asthma now uh, it's been it's been skyrocketing since it started spring uh, constantly 10 years ago they understand exactly what it's doing to the public but we truly live in disneyland we truly do. I mean, they can, they can create um, terror and, and hype over the normal flu, and yet they will not mention the fact that spraying us like bugs and have been for 10 years with chemicals which not only alter the weather, uh, they're, they're toxic to humanity. And now we have total allergy syndromes breaking out, and they're telling us now that's normal now. <laughs> yeah, it's insane. It is, isn't it? Yeah. Well, thanks a lot, Alan, and uh, keep up the good work. Uh, thanks for calling. It truly is astonishing. Uh, the things they should be talking about, like, uh, well, here's what we're actually doing. We're not going to spray that much. We've already been doing it for 10 years. And the fallout is what we see all around you. Everyone's got allergies. Our immune systems are shot. Uh, people have multiple allergy syndromes now. I've read all the articles in the newspapers. And they're utterly stumped as to why we're getting it all. Well, we're all, we're all toxic now. We're toxic. We can't get rid of this stuff. We don't get access to the, to, the, to the techniques of removing it from your body that the big boys have, the stuff that works very efficiently. 
and very quickly. And they are using it at the top. Because they know what's going on. But we're just the herd, you see. We're the last to know what's going on. We're not supposed to know. Now, there's Sheldon from Arizona there. Are you there, Sheldon? Oh, no. Hello, Alan. Yes. Yeah, I wanted your take on something. Dr. Rebecca Carley told me this yesterday, that there's some law out there. She thinks it's buried in the Patriot Act that if you have your your child in school, that they can be taken off to a quarantine facility. That is right. I remember when they passed that. I remember it was in the mainstream, yeah. Uh, do you know where, where can I find that law? It was also to do with lockdowns, uh, but it was also to do with uh, pandemics and coming pandemics. Um, I do have it somewhere. I could maybe try and find it and send it to you. Oh, that'd be great, yeah, because uh, I'm trying to make a big decision with my own child right now, and I think others should know about this. Yes. Uh, it's all, interesting huh? you, you mentioned that because Canada and some places are having lockdowns of schools uh, so they can use SWAT teams to practice going in after a gunman using the actual students uh, as a subject. That's happening, I think, it's this week. In fact, out of Calgary way. The public have no idea what's going on. None at all. I agree. I know up in Alaska, um, Alex Jones had brought this out, that they were going to do some type of emergency drill at a school up there. Um. Yes, they're actually using children uh, as they go in with guns and all the rest of it, and they hadn't told the parents. Right. Yeah. But there's the music coming in, and I'll be back after this break. here um yes i just want to say i love your show um your points are so clear and logical and i just wanted to go back to what you said earlier about uh them following a script i think that is so true but people don't see it yes they don't see it uh even if you show them the proof and previous writings put out by the very perpetrators themselves the, the incessant propaganda from familiar faces on television, the ones that have grown up watching uh, for years on the news, will overcome logic or reason. And it's what Brzezinski said. He says the public will come to believe that the media is there to do the reasoning for them. So they're, they're in a, a, an impasse stage where their logic is trying to be used, and yet they've been taught to trust the newsman. Uh, that's where the impasse occurs. So they, go, they, they deny their own logic and, and succumb the newscaster and believe him and have also been trained as I say for generations now like Bertrand Russell said we would be that the experts will rule us and, and that they're always right and they have trained most folk to believe that is true yeah oh I, I totally agree and um, it, it amazes me that um, we have a, a deliberate bio attack on the people and people don't stop and think about that and they look to the very people that are trying to harm them for the solution exactly. and they'll all line up and take those vaccines i'm sure yes and after the last so-called swine flu remember as one soldier died and uh, people were dropping dead with the flu shot itself and there was hundreds of young people uh, on 20s and unders 
who were left paraplegic with it. And yes, what happened to the swine flu? Well, it just didn't materialize in the general population. I remember that, and I, I, I did not get the flu vaccine back then, um, thank goodness. But, yes. um, yeah. And some people had strokes with it. Young guys had strokes. People in their 18, their 19, 20s had strokes with it, too. And I fear the same thing is going to happen this time. And it's like when, you know, if I had power, the one thing I would do is dismantle all the television sets. <laughs> yes, absolutely. That's where the reality comes from, unfortunately. It's the greatest propaganda tool ever devised. Yep. And, and people will so... deny it. Yes. They, they deny that they're being brainwashed. They didn't, they didn't, well, that's exactly what one of the top uh, uh, creators of the present technique said in his own writings. This is that the, this is the victim never realizes that they have been brainwashed. They'll completely, completely deny it to the person who has brainwashed them right to their face. They'll deny it. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you very much. And thanks for calling. Good night. And here's the sort of world that the children are being trained to grow up in. This is from the BBC News. This is training for the, the 30 years of riots and you get patted down. People's, people's welcoming weapons checks. Now, what a piece of propaganda by the experts, BBC. School gates at Lammas School and Sports College look like those of any other secondary school, but just up the drive round, a dozen police officers come into view. They're not investigating a crime, but by screening pupils for weapons, they hope to tackle violence and the fear it breeds. Fear, fear, fear. It says... It says the students supposedly asked for this. Well, a special NGO group amongst the students, students asked for it. The works again, the United Nations. I'll be back with more tomorrow night. But from Hamish and myself, from Ontario, Canada, it's good night. And may your God, or your gods, go with you.